see her rolling up, Uber black Cadillac, high heel boots and a sexy body full of tats. Baby's bad, oh baby's hella bad. After her, there ain't no coming back. Wanna take a run at that? I think she's feeling me. Turn it up a few degrees. My imagination of her body gets the best of me. Oh God, she's such a tease. Bitten lips, bruised knees. I'm addicted to her, need her touching me. Cause she got a bad little waist. And we tearing down this place. Stop the liquor that we chase. Got some needles to the face. Baby, I don't need no space. Coming closer for a taste. And I'll show you how I make everything. Everything just fade away cause she's like sex, drugs, cocaine, body so insane Jealous of the clothing that she wears up on a tight frame All game, no shame what is going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another live stream. It's hump day. What? what? Yes. We are uh yes. we are honored to have the lovely Miss Terry Anderson, the tattooed well, biker chick. Thank you. It's only been we've only been talking about this what a year. Oh, at least. At I'm least. A slacker. I'm a terrible person. The side chat will fill you in on how terrible I am. But, you know, uh, I, I just. <laughs> we're going to make it happen. I, okay, you're going to have to navigate me here. Do I go to comments? Yeah, you can go to comments. You should be able to see them. You may have to open up the live chat uh, on YouTube if you want to interact with them. Okay. I may interact. Or I may Gasman, just... what's going on? How's life in Australia, sir? I haven't not seen you in a bit. Australia. It's great to see you. We got Troop here. We got Corey here. We got Bronco Ride here. Gliding on twos. Everybody's here, man. Thank you guys so much for turning awesome. out. Riding so Humboldt cool. County's here. Wait, got the beard wait, in the house. All right. Bear with the blonde here for a second. Let me find It's uh, okay. We'll talk slow. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> I'm trying to get so I can watch this as we go. But yeah, I'm so if you bring up so so bring up YouTube. Got it. And then click on the uh okay. and then click on it and make sure your volume's muted for YouTube or else it's gonna echo. I'm trying to get I so I can watch there you it. Go. There. So mute that. There you go. Now I can't hear shit. Did you mute did you mute just YouTube? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna bow out of YouTube because I can't hear anything. Okay. <laughs> you have to kill the slider on YouTube. So the up and down, you have to mute it on the YouTube side. Chris okay, Venus so is in the house. Yeah, What's you know, that? I tried to, to do that. Oh, that's right. There is that. Um... It's the volume actually in YouTube that you have to mute. Okay. I see it. Thanks. You know, Chris it's, it's, it's been rough here. How's that? That's better. Hey. Sometimes That's I can awesome. get going. <laughs> hey, my gosh, Bri, it's been so long and long anticipated. It has. It's it's, uh, it's, it's been crazy. I mean, so for those of you that don't know Terry, Terry is a motorcyclist. She's a YouTuber. She also has a brand new, well, not brand new, right? But a uh, podcast called Digging Through Dominoes that focuses on mental health. Uh, your YouTube channel, one of your YouTube channel does as well because you have multiples, right? At this point, yeah, I do. I have I have two YouTube channels: my Tattoo Biker Chick channel, and then I have my Digging Through Dominoes, which is my podcast that I just upload to that channel. And um, where were we going? <laughs> yeah i have no idea oh, yeah, i started it i started that i decided to start it on my 60th birthday so it launched may 7th of this that's year. crazy yeah so 
you know, it's trickling along, but I notice with each episode, I'm gaining more followers. I'm gain, gaining more view time. And I think that's a good thing because that's one thing that, you know, you and I have some things in common there with mm -hmm. the autism um, spectrum. We both have people that we love on that spectrum and mental health in general. Oh my gosh, that's why I rode a, ride a motorcycle. It's one thing in my life I can control. It's uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the happy place. I, I, so I guess let, let's, let's just go back here. And, and so, so in a nutshell with the elevator pitch, who are you? What do you do? Who am I? What do I do like for a living? It's who you are. What? Tell us about your channel. Tell us about your your social media presence. It's just you know, just the opening act. Let's just you know. Okay, my my social media. My gosh, I have been a social media fiend for years. I have. I'm a writer. I'm an author. I had a very popular blog for a long time. Then I I kind of broke. We can talk about that if you want to. Sure. I kind of broke and took a lot of time off. I lost a lot of followers. I started YouTube back when they were saying YouTube is going to be TV of the future. And I'm like, no way. That's just crap. So I've got, you know, if you look at my YouTube channel and you look at the older videos, you're going to see my grandkids growing up. You're going to see me giving my daughter shots for preterm labor and stuff like yeah. that. Then I started trying to find where I wanted to land you know, is it going to be, what side of me am I going to show? Am I going to show the glamour side, the eclectic side, the makeup side, the biker side, the mental health side? So that was difficult for me to really niche down. And then I'm a photographer. So all that after breaking, after raising eight parasitic bipeds. <laughs> I'm sorry. At this point, I have no other word for it. Well, that, 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 that that's an interesting pivot. Tell them tell them how you have eight kids because I think oh that's gosh. amazing. It was well, I had two. Mm -hmm. I married my husband, and we adopted our first baby, Michael. Who, on a side note, we were in Texas, and Michael was actually conceived the day and the hour we moved into our house in Seattle. Oh wow. We had no idea we were going to adopt at that point. Ended up adopting Michael, and he was so incredible, so much fun. He was just absolutely amazing. We decided to do it again. And this was supposed to be, we got Joshua. And you know my, you know Joshua's story. Mm -hmm. A lot of you may not. Joshua's my son that had very severe mental illness, was homeless for 10 years, and in October, we'll be noticing the anniversary of his death. Then we adopted a little girl, five-year-old little girl, and had to be registered as foster parents in the state of Washington because it took a while. She was a waiting child. And that's sad. When you go and you look at catalogs full of kids that are waiting for homes, that's sad. So we found her moved to Oregon, they had to register us as foster parents here with the understanding we would not be taking any children. Okay. Um, that didn't work. 
<laughs> Surprise! Surprise! And so they just sort of trickled in, and I did not want to adopt any more kids. I was done. And my husband said, these kids aren't leaving. And not all of them. I mean, we had quite a few foster kids. But yeah, that's where it was. After the eighth one, the final adoption, I told the agency, I said, don't just forget my name, burn my file. <laughs> I don't exist. Burn it. <laughs> burn it now. <laughs> what a broken system that is. And that was, that was, that was part of it. That was really hard. That's got to be hard. It was, it, yeah, yeah. You know, it opened my eyes to a lot of things that I was so naive to before. I had no idea the things that some people will do to children. Yep. And, you know, how does your heart not break? But at some point you have to stop before, you have to get to a point before I did and realize if I'm continually empty and pouring this picture, no one's taking care of me. Oh, 100%. I'm going to break. I'm going to break it sometime. And I did. I broke spectacularly, went down in a flaming heap, destroyed my family. I uh, was, you know, I'm rebuilding. I think right now I'm at the best time of my life. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm learning. I'm not anything like I used to be. And I'm liking me. I didn't for a long time, but I'm liking me now. It's fun. It's, uh, we've talked about that. It's a hard place to be. I mean, and after especially any sort of trauma you've been through, it's, it's yeah, or your your childhood, any of that. It, it's really hard to to find a place where you like you again, for sure. Especially it, after the last few years. I mean, life has just been miserable. It's it, crazy. It, the last few years have 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 really sucked. Hi, Humboldt County. I'm trying to see as we go along. Um, yeah, you know, it, getting to know me, I think one of the key, one of the key things is I was thinking that my marriage and the adoptions were what led to my the the situation that I was in. Mm -hmm. I didn't even want to look at my childhood. I idealized my parents, and that's sort of what the podcast, how it started out. The last few years is when I decided to look at my childhood and I realized how neglected and abandoned I was. And, you know, I'm not blaming my parents. They had traumas of their own. And in that day and age, they didn't have the resources or the, I don't want to say courage. I think it was very frowned upon for them, anyone to get help, but they didn't know they needed help. They did the best they could. And I understand that and hold nothing against them. And so... Yeah, I'm I'm learning more about me, and then and then I I had the situation. Um, yeah, yeah, where I was poisoned. Yeah, we could save that for a little bit. Yeah, so it's uh, I was gonna say it's an interesting story. I didn't mean it in any way, shape, or form in that sense. I tell you, um, that's what that's the only that is really the only way to describe my life. Other than, I mean, that's a nice way. You could say sure. chaotic, but I, I've had no chaos in the last probably three years, which has yeah. been nice. Oh, we could definitely, I, definitely something I'd like to touch into as we get okay. further. Um, so what got you into writing? What got me into writing? My, I grew up in a household. My dad had, my dad was a corporate pilot. So we always had airplanes in the garage that he was 
restoring old cars, motorcycles. He rode. I never had been on a motorcycle really a lot by myself. And then in 2005, one of my husband's best friends bought a Harley. Okay. And he said, so when are you going to get Jeff his? And I'm like, deer in the headlights. Oh, my gosh. It pushed me in the corner, Brian. Thanks. And it was a brown Father's Day. And I said, uh, a Father's Day? It's <laughs> <So, laughs> like, I, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. So I took Brian with me. And we really looked at everything. And we ended up with an 05 uh, Road King. Nice. This black cherry. And my neighbors picked it up, took it to their house, hit it next door to us, hit it in their trailer. So Jeff and I went out for coffee one day on Father's Day. And they brought the the, the bicycle, damn, the motorcycle out and put a huge red bow on it. And I had six kids at home and my grandson, and they had big poster boards when we got back from coffee. And they said, the first one was like, happy Father's Day. We love our mother. Please don't kill her. <laughs> he had no idea. I'd never signed a loan like that myself. I was sick to my stomach. So... <laughs> His first response, he stopped in the middle of the cul-de-sac. He gets out, he slams it. He's like, what the hell have you done? I'm like, I bought a motorcycle. <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> so he got on it. And within six months, I had my own. I, got, I started off with a really hot little custom sportster. And then within, that was September, and then that next May, around Mother's Day, I got my heritage. Nice. Yeah. And then the next May is when my heritage was totaled. Oh. That sucked. But she wouldn't be as beautiful as she is now had that not happened. So there's silver lining to that. Silver lining to that. And you know what? I realized is being hit by this woman. She was texting. She had grandkids jumping around the back of her car. Being hit by her really taught me more about writing than I had ever known. It made me much, a much better writer. It made me much more aware of everything in every situation. It really opened my eyes. So in a way, you know, it was a gift in, in multiple ways. I lived, I couldn't walk for six months, which, you know, kind of sucked. But I remember the first thing when I was conscious and talking to my father, I'm like, Vance and hind pipes on that baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, <want>. I, <laughs> I want some sound. <laughs> so that's how I got into writing. And I just love it. And I like, I prefer long long trips, like weeks over city riding, you know, city riding or around town riding ends me up in situations sometimes that I don't want to be, don't want to be. Yeah. It, it's uh riding in town sucks. There's just no way around, especially, you know, depending on where you're at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it really, it really does. How did you get into writing? Have you always written? No, I didn't start writing until I was 40. I was that person that at 20 years old wanted to buy a bike, walked out of the dealership. It just took me 20 minute years to get back. There was traffic. Oh, yeah. uh, but no, I mean, I got into it late in life. 
I was hooked. I, I went through. I bought. I started riding in April, and by December, I was already on my third bike. I was going through bikes like water, dude, and not blowing them up. Just I wanted. I started with a scooter. Uh, mm -hmm. I started with a 400 cc scooter. I went to a 600 cc scooter, and I'm like, you know what? I taken a, a bunch of trips, and I was like, screw this. If I'm doing this, we're going all in. That's when I bought the KLR. And, yeah, uh, I've been I've been watching your uh, yeah. your upgrades. I mean, I, it was probably the best time in my life because, like you, I was looking for something to fill a void, uh -huh. and I was in a really, really bad place mentally, and it was yeah. just like, you know what? Too. You're I never going to have the money, you know, and I, I took a loan out of my 401k and was like, well, screw it. Let's go. You know, and right. it was money well spent, you know, and who would have thought that what, 10, 11 years later, I'd have, you know, it, it boggles my mind when I think about how big my bike is versus how nervous I was to start. Oh, my God. Like, oh, my God. You know, I'm going to die. You know, that I had completely forgotten about this. Okay, so you know when you're, well, I don't know in New Jersey how they how they do their biker training, but in, in Oregon they give you pieces of crap to to take your test. Well, with reason to take your course on. Mm -hmm. And those those scared me. And I had a really hard time being a female, and the instructors I had didn't like that. They didn't no. like it. And they were very, very hard on me and very intimidating. And I'm glad I had glasses. They had me in tears several times. And then, needless to say, I failed that test, took another one, passed it, did great, got the sporty. I'm riding that. No, no different because it's a huge upgrade from what I was riding in the class. And then when I got my heritage, it was so big to me. Mm -hmm. I asked my salesman, take the bike out to the street. It's a real weird way to get into the dealership that I used here. Take it out to the street and point it that way. <laughs> I got on it. And at the end of that block where I had to turn, I thought this was the best decision of my life. My bike is just, it. Uh, it's just awesome. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think it's it's great too because you didn't you had the ability to get what you wanted because you had the meat and I think that's great. I mean, the heritage is no joke. It's a great bike. You know it is. It's a great bike. I like the nostalgic look of it. I like. I was going for the deluxe, mm -hmm. but the heritage had, and I'm six feet tall, so I the heritage has like an inch extra room, leg room, and everything, and I needed that. Mm -hmm. and that's how I ended up the heritage. And then um, my mechanic, he told me we went in, we found him. We got really, you know, it was hard to find a decent mechanic. We ended up with a great mechanic. Just amazing that just, he just retired. And he said, Oh my gosh, you have an 06. That is the Holy grail year for Harleys. And I have heard that everywhere lately. Now, so, why particularly the 06? Score, I don't know. I don't really know. Um, he, I was looking at buying a new one. I wanted like a road glider, a street glider, something. And he said, don't do it. He said, get an Indian. Really? I, yeah. He said, if I had an Indian, if 
he said if everyone wrote Indians or Victory, he would have no business. So that that was his point of view. I can uh, see that. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. I've hey, had no Drew, thank you. Life. Writing, thank you as well. Yeah, you know, it's it's a shame. Thank you guys very much for all your support. Um, you guys are great. That's right, humble. It is. Once you get going, it, it's it's hard, right? Because that there's a lot of cool bikes out there, but there's just not necessarily a lot of great dealers, which sucks. True. True. And you know, there's something very, when I started riding, the Harley culture was really coming more mainstream. Mm -hmm. And it such a brotherhood that, I, you know, I, I had never really experienced being with a group of people that are so loyal to each other, mm -hmm. no matter the circumstances. And that just blew me away. I, I, I just, I love it. I love it so much. Tomorrow's bike night. And I'm thinking I might ride out to my first bike night in about three years. So we'll see how that goes. So where's, uh, how far is bike night from you? It's probably, it's a good ways. It's probably, I mean, in this area, hard to get to. It's probably about a half hour. So it really depends. Um, the one that we used to go to was pretty close. I mean, they're, Thanks, everywhere. they're everywhere. The one we used to go to was pretty close. And it was great. It was so awesome. Oh, I've got to tell you what happened at this one. My husband's there. You know, he's like on his bike and, you know, all the big macho bikers trying to, you know, do their thing. I'm afraid because I had to park in the field and it's full of ruts, full of sand, full of gravel, all of this stuff. I made it out and I'm waiting at the, there's like a roundabout and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. He's, he doesn't show up. I was about ready to turn around and go back and find him. I mean, I was there for about 15 minutes. He finally comes up screaming. I've broken my leg. Go home. I'm like, dude, Stop the bike. We have people that can come and get it. He said, I'm not leaving my bike. I'm riding home. So he went his bike home with a spiral fracture. And uh, the whole way, I'm, I'm just thinking, that guy's in pain. He's hitting his head. And he's he's just like, it was crazy. It was crazy. Don't know why I thought about that. That, that is, yeah. That's crazy. I mean, say so, so you're going to bike night. So, so what has your experience been? Um, it's it's something that I'm very curious about. As a female rider, I mean, how do you how do you feel you've been accepted into this fraternity group of people, if you will? I think, on the most part, very well. I I'm oh, thank you, NC. in the community. I'm very active or was very active. I haven't done any rallies, you know, as ambassador or tattoo judge or anything like that in a few years. But I think because I'm so outgoing with people that I don't know, that helped ease, you know, the ease in. One thing that I have been less accepted by women than I have by men. I and can see I, that. Yeah, I found I find that really interesting. And the men have have all been great. And 
God bless them for, for letting me, I mean, I didn't go in with this attitude that I'm going to take you down. I don't have that attitude. It's just, Hey, I want to be one of the people I want to mm -hmm. ride. I want to have fun. I'm not here to prove anything. So I think that really helped a lot. It's good. Yeah. 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 It was nice. It was really nice. I mean, I, I've never, I've personally never found no matter what I rode that people weren't accepting. You know, I mean, I know there's a lot to be said about the Harley culture and people that sort of mm -hmm. believe that that's the only bike to buy. Yeah. I posted but, a meme to my um, tattooed biker chick Facebook page, and there are these two guys in the hospital. One says Yamaha rider. One says Harley rider. The Harley rider is under the bed working on everything. Yamaha rider is reading his, his uh, magazine. So. <laughs> You know, it's if you ride, you ride, and it's cool. It's like the guy that's, that stopped to help me the other day. He was on a sports bike. He had on a pair of shorts and, and tennis shoes, and I'm like, dude, you can't. I can't do that on my bike. The way the pipes come out, well, I wouldn't do it anyway, but the way the pipes come out, I have to have chaps on most of the time or my legs will get burned. Yeah. We'll have that Vance and Hines, bond, you know, uh, whatever it is. I can't think of it right now on me. So, but yeah, the brotherhood's the brotherhood. Both of my brothers ride. They both ride Harleys. One of them has a heritage. I don't know what the other one has. He switches bikes quite often. So, but I'm looking for the Indian Springfield, I think is what I want next. Oh, we're going to have to end this interview early. Sorry. Oh, just, dude. Yeah. Why? What's up? Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Next thing you know, you're going to be telling me you follow Smitty because he rides a Goldwing. I mean, we have to Smitty? We have an image. Smitty? Yeah. Big Smitty. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Oh, Smitty. Oh, burn. He just hit 6,000 subs. He did. Yeah, good for him. I haven't seen him on here tonight. Is he? Yeah, he's here. He's actually just texting me. He's, oh, okay. uh, he's awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge milestone. If you guys haven't seen that. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, he hit big time. You can't say Indian Honda to bride. <laughs> my dad, my dad rode the last bike he had was a Goldwing. He had a couple, several Goldwings, and he loved them. They're so flipping huge. I don't know if they weigh any more than my bike or not. But he had it kind of. He sold one of his airplanes to pay for his Goldwing to be converted into a trike. And what was really cool is when my dad died. My brother led the procession with my dad's Goldwing trike. Oh, that's awesome! And hey. there are pictures. You can see the the bike in the back. It was it was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome! Thank you, Jason, so much for the support of the channel. I really appreciate. it. Hey. No, I mean Indians. Indians yeah. rule. I have. And you're right. I, I I kid. I'm just. I, I think my biggest problem is right now is that the dealership network's really small and. I won't lie. I, I really wanted what I have and I have it. And I don't, yeah. I don't know that I can even bother going elsewhere. Right. You know, our, my dealership has just been sold to a corporation. It was privately owned. That scares me. And with Indian, I've always wanted an Indian because I love the look. I absolutely love the look. And then when Polaris bought them, you know, I sat back and thought, I need to give this a few years to see what happens and how, you know, 
they've got to work the bugs out. It's like the first year a model of a car comes out. You don't want to get that car. It, you're just going to have problems with it. So I waited. And the more I wait, I, you know, I go down, my friend takes me down there and I'm like, damn, I want this bike so bad. So one is because I can ride more incognito. I was pretty high profile here. My bike is recognized all over the country. I, I can be in any state and someone will say, hey, is that your Harley? <laughs> yeah. So sometimes I would like to ride and not have my bike say, hey, that's Terry Anderson, the tattoo biker chick. I just like to ride and not, not that it's a, a huge hassle, but sometimes it becomes a little creepy. Mm hmm and I've only had one guy, one guy came up to me and, and he said, Hey, are you Terry Anderson? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you've seen my bike. He said, no, I follow you on Instagram. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what Smitty's life's like. Now that he has that gold wing, you know, he's, maybe that's why his subscribers are blowing up. Could be. Maybe he's getting stalked. We'll have to, we'll have to bring now, that up to Maybe you might be getting stalked. He looks like a ladies' man. He looks like a player, actually. So you gotta. You no, know, he kind of does. I kind of got that feeling from him, but yeah. I, his wife would kind of slap him. His right wife's always beating him. That's why he's a player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know he's he's in my home state. I'm a native Texan. I mean, so I guess the question is, <laughs> I love stalkers. Hey, look, I accidentally sent you that selfie. Okay, Smitty, you don't <laughs> have to rat me out. So why would you leave the great state of Texas? What, what's the deal? Because you're up there with the, you're up there with Junior. Well, not Junior. You're up I there. Am. Yeah, you're up there with Junior. You're up there with uh, Denver. I up with him. I mean, he lives maybe 20 minutes from me. I haven't met up with him yet. What is up with that? I don't know. Right now, he's having a, he's got his hands full. Yeah, yeah. He does. He does have his hands full. Does any, not to cut you off, does anybody know a status with him? I saw it looked like he already had a tire on his bike. In that live, it looks like uh, it looks like they were at least trying to work on the motor. So that's good news. Oh, you saved that picture. Oh, Smitty. That's why this his channel's blowing up. <laughs> he he's he's got that he's got that swag going on. Yeah, but it's kind of weird that Droop would say it. Well, you know, we're not here to judge. You no. love who you love, Droop. We're not we're not here to judge. No judgment. <laughs> hey, Kraken, how are you? Last podcast episode was on judgment. Yeah. So, so that, that's a really good segue. So what, what prompted you to want to do the mental health podcast? Because I mean, let's face it. We've talked about the, there is nothing less sexier on YouTube than mental health and you're doing it. I mean, you're, you're putting in the work, you're doing a great job with it. And I don't mean any disrespect by that. It, it's, no, no, it's a it's, very hard niche to get people to engage with. It really is. But I think, think the timing is right because people are now realizing I suck as a person. What's wrong with me? You know, I, I was misdiagnosed, which really messed me up. They misdiagnosed me with bipolar disorder too and had me on all these meds that just screwed with me. Mm -hmm. and actually, I have CPTSD. So many people are walking around. I, Okay, I'll give you an example. I have a woman that is interacting with me on Facebook and through my, my podcast, and she's saying, you know, I, I'm watching this stuff on your channel, and 
I can't believe someone is brave enough to say that. And one of the things I've realized, especially after my son died, if I can help one person avoid any of the mistakes that I made or one person not feel alone, it would be wrong of me not to do that. 100%. Yeah. So if I can use my trauma, all the stuff I went through, like I said, how selfish would that be not to let someone else know what can ease that pain, what to avoid, what to look for? Yes. So that's, that's Yeah, that's that's why I got into it. But I, I've always been into the mental health thing, especially because of Joshua, you know, and having to deal with him and try to figure things out. And that really got me enmeshed with the homeless community in Portland, which is scary if you don't know them. Mm-hmm. But it took me a few years to get enmeshed with them. And they, they really guided me. I have probably 40 phone numbers in my phone. The only thing it says is knows Joshua. And they would, they were so caring and so respectful. I think I had one time I drove up and, and a guy says, you know, I said, I'm looking for my son. And he said, ah, pretty blonde lady in a Mercedes. You're going to get whatever you want. It's like, no, I want my son healthy and off the streets. He whistled and people, I mean, it was like the pigeons on Home Alone came to this guy. <coughs> and that's when I got into the community and they really kept me up to date with my son. Nice. Yeah. So I think having to deal with all of that really led me to mental health. And it's something that I know solidly. And, you know, I haven't been able to ride for a couple of years. So my riding, what am I going to do? I can't get biker videos up right now because I haven't been able to ride. Yeah. And I like to create. I like, I don't know. I like it. Well, and I, I I think that there's there's two factors, right? You can you can do YouTube for the intent that you for whatever your purpose is, mm-hmm. or like you said, I think that there's a lot to be said for doing something for the better of others. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's it's not glamorous, but I think that there's a lot to um, there's a lot to be said for that. You know, because everybody wants to be the next PewDiePie, and everybody wants to do yeah. this or that, but realistically that's probably not going to happen but if you could do something like you said if you have a chance to to touch an individual and to help another individual i mean i think that the, the greatest thing is to give service to others i mean that's really the the best thing you can do out of your life i really think it is especially being on this side of the wall and realizing how hard it is when you feel so alone and you don't mm-hmm. know which way to turn and I'm actually, I made the decision yesterday or the day before I'm going to get my trauma specialist certification. And Oh, very nice. Start doing that. You know, it's like with me. I'm like, my gosh, I didn't like, I didn't realize I had this childhood trauma. I didn't want to think my parents could do anything wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. They just did what they knew. And a lot of people are walking around with this stuff and they have no idea. And that breaks my heart. Well, yeah, you know, and it's hard too because, I mean, we might as well just go down the rabbit hole. What the hell, right? Yeah. Um, it's hard too because we're not <laughs> Bridie Pie. I'm sorry, that was funny. 
Bronco ride. No, that's it. We're renaming the channel. Um, Oh, apparently Junior's having an oil cooler issue. Hopefully they get that fixed for him. Oh, that's, no. That's pretty bad. I mean, I don't know the first thing about motorcycles, but I know you need oil. So that's... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, you guys are so mean to me. But ride? I don't remember what he rides. So he rides a fat boy. Okay. That's what I was thinking. Uh, duh, that's in his name, isn't it? On? <laughs> I think it might be a ploy for him just to go to Sturgis and get a new bike. But, you know. Neither. No, I think that I think it's hard. Um, it's hard to look back and to say that, you know, you've experienced trauma or you've experienced something from people that may have not had bad intentions. You know, because I always say this and it's 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 a bit perhaps over the top, but when you think of our generation, right? Our generation was the latchkey kids. Exactly. The generation before that was told, just drink and suck it up. <laughs> so exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it's kind of crazy. Hey, Robert. Yeah. And I, I think, um, so who is it that saying you're, you're abusing people on discord? Oh, Drew. So, so, oh. hold on. so yeah, let's, let's, before we get too deep, let's take a moment. There's something. I can't even figure out this. Something word. I wanted to address in the side yeah. chat. Hold on, where is it? Uh, yeah, Humboldt, we do. We all have drama. Some so people. So Chris, Chris Venus wanted me to issue a public apology that um, road glides and street glides apparently are equal, and I should never uh, tell anyone that the the street glide is not as good as the road glide, which clearly it is, but. I want to make Chris feel better. So, what is the difference? For two headlights and a fixed fairing. That's what I was thinking, and I never can remember which is which. Yeah, you know, but, and I don't, I don't want that to become trauma for him. So we'll be nice to him. I've test ridden them both, and I love them both. I love the way they ride, but I think I'll stick with my heritage for a while till I get the Indian. NC Crimson Glide. What are you talking about? Give you a shout out. Go uh, go follow NC. You know, for that matter, everyone that's in the side chat, make sure you're following everyone's channel. We we really do need to support each other. Street glides are for short dudes. Wait, are you saying Colin's short to beard? Oh, poor Colin. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, so in Beggars and Brewers, they have a fantastic Discord. Um, there seems to be this constant battle of street glide versus road glide. Wow. Now that I got a road glide, I'm a traitor, but you know, I'll deal with it. It's you know it's kind of like riding a wing. Yeah, I mean if you ride a gold wing, you don't care. No, you don't care. I you're, mean, you're outside the group. Well, you know, I, here's my thing: if you care, if you're worried about what people think about what you ride, there's bigger issues. <laughs> it's yeah, yes, 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 yes. That's one hundred percent true. I don't care if you're on a scooter. You're on two wheels. You're out there having fun. One thing leads, I mean, scooters are gateway drugs. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I just, there's nothing more freeing. I I think the, the reason I love my motorcycle so much, and I may have said this, I have this 900 pound bike. If everything is going to crap in my life, I know I can control that bike. I can get out. I can ride that bike. My mind is, is on 
the road. It's on the scenery. It's on making sure, you know, looking. I'm not thinking about anything else. And I'm controlling that bike at that moment. And I can forget everything. You know, for such a long time, it was like wind therapy. What the hell does that mean? Well, now I know. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and and I think that there's, um, regardless of, of people that talk about it or not, I think that the the motorcycle provides you with that escape. And there's so many people that tell me that that's the reason that they ride. I mean, there's, there's something to it. There's definitely, it's, it's definitely not just something that people say to justify a motorcycle. Right. You know, and it's, it's difficult. So you started the podcast. Now that's, you're putting out weekly episodes now on the podcast. Weekly. Yeah. Weekly. And I'm going to start trying to do on Fridays too something I'm, I'm calling fragmented fragmented Fridays and okay. I'm trying to respond to somebody here just a second. There, My internet's flaking. I don't know what it is. I have a new router too. It's terrible. I had to get satellites for my house. This house is so flipping huge. I had to get satellites for each floor and they just <coughs> crap. They're giving me trouble. That sucks. Pay your inter internet bill. <laughs> you know, it's just tough. You have a great live chat. This is is probably one of the best live chats I've seen. The, the people, the people that come here week after week are fantastic. I mean, they've been a huge supporter of the channel. And you'll see like people that have the little circles next to them. They're all channel members that, uh -huh. that have paid to support the channel. I can't thank those guys enough. I mean, it's there's just weeks when you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And you're like, Yeah, but you know, I miss I would miss this interaction. Right. You know. I the only people I interact with aren't really people, they're dogs, my German Shepherd and my Yorkie. That's yeah, I'm alone all the time. Okay, I wanted to ask somebody, I just saw something. Um, oh well, it may be lost somewhere. Who was it? Oh, I see it. Moonshine Harley, where is that? Is oh, so these so. guys, <laughs> so Moonshine Harley is in Tennessee. Oh, it's in Tennessee. Okay, so mm -hmm. why why is he affiliated with Dallas? Because Dallas is in Tennessee, and Dallas is. Oh, uh, they have a Dallas. Oh, I, I, I just think Dallas. No, 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 no. He he. Try, I think he uses that name so people oh. think he's a Texan and not a Hick. Oh, but, you know, that's eh, okay. We love Dallas. Is awesome. So Dallas, uh, I forget what started it. I think it was something OMG Moto started with. They were in the dealership or something, and I don't know. Now they're now that's his catchphrase. <laughs> that guy. Wow. Dallas is trying to get sponsored. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Dallas is trying to get that big check. Could be. You know, it happens. So I'm sorry, I interrupted you. So at what point, and we've talked about this, I think, but I don't know the answer. So from concept to, to actual rollout, what's what was your thought process with the podcast? Was it something you always wanted to do? Was it something just sort of in the back of your mind? It kind of it simmered for a while. Okay. I knew I needed something to keep me focused. And I had so many people reaching out to me, especially after Joshua died, that I thought, and they're asking me questions that are very parallel to my life. And I thought, you know what? This is something to do. 
if I do it weekly and I make that commitment, I'll do it weekly. I'll make sure that it's up 5 a.m. every Tuesday morning. And then hopefully do some fragmented Fridays in there when I can. And it really came about just a couple of months before my birthday. I so, um, An attorney in town contacted me and wanted me to be on her podcast regarding the death of my son. And, you know, I went in and it was the longest interview she's had. We, Yeah, I don't like to talk at all. Um, and I'm, I just thought, you know, this is cool. This is a way to reach people that may not, that may be too afraid to ask for help. There are a lot of people out there. They're afraid of therapists. They're afraid to ask for help. And if they stumble across me and they feel, I think, you know, one thing I decided to do with my podcast is really tell my story and mm -hmm. interweave who I am into all of this so people know they're not talking i'm not speaking academically i'm mm -hmm. from experience so that's that's one thing it's very very open very uncensored and you know i straight up will say what i think what i did what i feel about myself how i messed up my mistakes and what led to them and I think that kind of it it it, make, it puts people at ease because I don't try to pull off any academic sort of um, or judgmental sort of a thing. It's it's more of, hey, here's my story. I'll walk with you. So yeah, and and I think that there's a lot to be said for that because I I think in this world we think that. You know, everyone needs, you know, if you want to be a therapist, you have to have an education. You're, you're this, you're that. But I, but I think that peer therapy and, and people being able to share their actual experience is so much more valuable mm -hmm. than talking to some Yahoo. Because, it, and I'm not, I'm going to paint with a really broad brush here. Right. And just, you're going to have to accept the rudeness of the statement. But most of the people that are you're going to to seek help with are just as screwed up as you are, sadly, oh, because yeah, and 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 but they but they don't speak from a I've been there, right? You know, it, they they speak more from I I went to therapy a few years ago, and um, I told the therapist I said, look, you know, I'm I'm between careers at my company, I was just kind of struggling. I was in a I was in a really weird place. All the therapist cared about was how much money I was going to make in each position. Now, he didn't know any of this. He had no idea what I even made, but he was so hung up on money rather than listening to me. And I'm like, dude, come on. Hey, Junior. You know, yeah, he wants to connect soon. Hey, Junior, we need to ride. Oh, kick him while he's down, don't you? Oh, he's got two bikes. He's all right. Yeah, I know. I guess I was just like, a, hey, <laughs> yeah, Junior, you need to make that happen. Trauma. Yeah, you know, it's tough. I went through so many, like, when this happened to me, it was when the ACA started. Psychiatrists and therapists were closing their doors because no one knew what was happening medically. So I went through so many psychologists, so many therapists, so, so many psychiatrists. And then I found my team. And there were so many people that 
that spoke of a, I mean, I went from pure academia judgment to, hey, smoke a joint, and you'll be fine. I mean, that that's the range that I had. And the well, yeah, yeah. amazing. That's the American healthcare system, right? Take a pill, it'll go away. Yeah. Oh, you're having problems with that pill? Just take the other pill on top of that pill. Dang, you know what? The one they gave me when they thought I had bipolar, they put me on this medication and it caused this permanent side effect called tardive dyskinesia. And now for the rest of my life, I'm on an anti-seizure medication. Oh, and Jesus. sometimes they'll see it if I'm really stressed. It, it happens in mouth movements or, or funny mouth whatever uh it's body ticks and stuff and i was on it was an antipsychotic when they thought i had bipolar because they were just checking boxes no mm -hmm. one had time to get to know my backstory and oh i just i felt like a guinea pig on all of these medications and all they did they they just destroyed parts of me And, you know, and that's, that's the thing that I think is a society that we're, we're really not aware of is that, you know, medication is great. And I'm certainly not somebody that's anti-medicine, but what we don't realize is what the, the downside in that can be, right? Because sometimes you're suppressing some other things or, mm -hmm. or causing some issue. Whit Maze is in the house. Hey, Whit. She's my hero. Awesome, awesome, awesome. It's good to see all these people. There's so many great people here. Oh, man, bikers are the best. They're the freaking best. Yeah, medications. A few years ago when I started having that heart problem, that heart issue, they put me on a drug called propranolol. That messed me up. I came off of it. I weaned off of it in April. I, have, I was having... My pulmonologist, my cardiologist fight because there's they can't find anything wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I can walk literally three feet. My heart rate will shoot up to 180. And I'm having all these weird things happening. And I start, start looking at side effects. Turns out I was having not the severe side effects. The call your doctor, put it on, do not take side effects. And I've stopped that. My heart rate's normal. I'm sleeping. I can walk. I can breathe. Things are going all right. So I, I am I am on some meds, but um, you're you're right. You've really got to see the side effects. And one thing is, you know, doctors a lot of times. One of the things I've started telling them is, hey, I've lived in this body sixty years. You've seen me for five minutes. That's not what it is. I mean, I'll get in their face. <laughs> well, you know, and it, it's it's a shame because at some level I understand, and we're all guilty of this no matter your profession. You, you have enough years under your belt, you look at something and go, oh, it's this. Right. But it amazes me, and, and I've been on the, the bad side of bad doctors on, on both the psychological part of it and then the physical part of it. It amazes me just how nonchalant people can be with your health. Mm -hmm. And to your point, if you don't have an advocate, which you were clearly for Joshua, an amazing advocate, if you're not an advocate for somebody, 
God only knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like if you don't have somebody in your corner relentlessly fighting for you. And you don't know any better. You don't know. That's their profession. That's what you go to them for. And I think it comes down to this. This is what I've noticed with my doctors and mechanics, builders, everything comes down to passion. Is this your passion or is this a paycheck? Do it with passion or don't do it at all. Right. If it's passion, they're going to do it the best they can. If it's a paycheck, eh. <clears throat> you know, it's like, why don't you prescribe me what you would prescribe your wife? Don't, don't just walk in and after two minutes say, you know, here's a script. No, uh-uh. I've got that in my, in my garage. I can get on that anytime and it's not going to have any side effects. Like yeah. And, and, and to your point, you know, that the, the side effects become now you're not only dealing with whatever trauma you're dealing with, but now you're dealing with side effects of it. Yeah. Droop, that sucks. I I feel your pain. They are, you know, I, I, I'm an author, I'm a writer and I should say was because one of the medications they put me on took my ability to, to be, I was very much poetic prose, things of that nature. I can't do it anymore. I mean, maybe I could, but I haven't been able to get that mood, get that feeling back for about 10 years since I stopped that medicine. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I want to be careful what I say, because I don't, I don't want anyone to think I, I am clearly not a doctor, nor did I stay at a Holiday Inn. But I think one of the things that's difficult is you want to recover through your trauma. But the medicines tend to dull feeling. So if you dull feeling, you don't have the ability to understand where you're at. And now you're just a zombie. So mm-hmm. you, and you you know, that, that was my case was like, okay, well, now you don't feel anxiety or depression after my divorce. However, you're basically worthless. <laughs> you know I mean, like, yeah. You're basically just a zombie at that point. And what is, what is the quality of life? Yes. You, you may be solving the symptoms, but you're not, that's where I was going with. You're not addressing the symptoms. You're, addre- you're addressing the. Um... You're addressing the symptoms, not the root cause. Thank you. Glad somebody's a professional in this show. <laughs> I yes, times with with doctors and, and and people, you know, with the media here, and speaking with them about the homeless and the situation. It's like, no, you're not looking at the root cause. You're just trying to put a band aid on something, and you're not looking at the root cause. That's why I have my motorcycle or the mechanic I have for my my bike. He went directly to the root cause. He's not saying okay, well, let's just, you know, change this. Let's change that. Let's, you know, work our way up to, you know, $15,000 repair. He just zeroed in on what was going on. And if you, if you don't take care of that root cause, Junior, uh, it could happen again. Oh, Junior, damn. He got run over. He didn't even see that coming. I Wait a minute. I just want to say for the record, Terry was mean to Junior and I wasn't involved. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> It was it was in fun and love, and I'm really really sorry that you are having the problem that you are right now. So is it too early to say that he upgraded to a 747 Harley? Because now he's got a flight of Sturgis. 
That sucks. Uh, oh, he's laughing. So, okay, good. We love you, Junior. We want to see it. Dude, oh. you scared the hell out of me posting those pictures, by the way. He's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, my daughter's riding. I think you've seen her bike. And mm -hmm. she is a little ninja on that thing. My gosh. She got an 883 iron. She's only five foot three. Tiny little thing. And she just, she just, oh, I, I can't believe it. I mean, it, it's it's like she's Go-Go Gadget or something or the Jetsons. She's just zoom and she's gone. Oh, one thing I wanted to say, I just remembered. You, you were asking me about how I was accepted in the community being a female rider, especially with the bike I ride and the, the color scheme and everything. Mm -hmm. I know when men don't like my bike when they look at it and just walk off and they're respectful because you can't not, you cannot not notice my motorcycle. I know they love it when they say, well, that's a great bike. If you like pink and my bike is white with pink, it's not a pink bike. <laughs> and then you have the people that come up and I've had people time and time again, say that bike says I'm a lady, but I'll still kick your ass. Yeah. Okay. That works. Well, you know, and I think it's cool because you made it a reflection of you, which is the whole, the largest draw I would think to owning a Harley, right? You can do anything to it. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Smitty, on the back of my, um, if you're still around, on the back of my sissy seat, I have a Chrome Texas welded onto it, which is pretty cool. But the, the color yeah. scheme came up because my dad was, he wanted me to be seen. And I hadn't even thought about the color scheme. My dad's like, you have a very 50s nostalgic looking bike. Let's go with 50, 50s colors. And so we did, and it just kept evolving. And I've got one of the best painters, custom painters in the country that painted my bike. His name's Ben Conley. And he's just amazing. Did a superior job on my bike. But it's known everywhere it goes. It's awesome. Yeah, it, it's kind of cool. So is there another bike in your future? I mean, do you, do you oh, look? Is there something you're looking for? Well, yeah, I want to, I want at this point, I would like an Indian Springfield. I need, I need hard bags. I don't like the bags that are on my bike right now. I did a review for Viking bags. Some people may love them. I'm having a hard time with them because of my seat. I have a different seat on my bike and I have mm -hmm. trouble opening, opening them. So I don't know. I just, I just want an Indian. I think I've always wanted an Indian. So I don't know. I'm, I'm also planning to go to Greece on my 61st birthday. So which one do I want more at this point? I have a motorcycle. Uh, yeah, I take the trip. <laughs> yeah i mean unless the unless the bike's really holding you back from something i'll always take the trip yeah take the trip i mean i i have a motorcycle i have a very dependable motorcycle it's i'm comfortable with it i don't have to learn anything new on it mm -hmm. so yeah yeah i think i'll take the trip so where's your go-to riding? Like, what do, what do you, you like to do? You got, you clear your head. What's that look like for a ride? Generally for me, I like to ride down the river. 
Okay. Um, Portland is nothing but rivers everywhere. And there are several rides. There's a ride up through Washington. If um, Junior may know of this ride. It's on uh, Highway 14 out on the side of Columbia, the Columbia River Gorge. It's a beautiful, beautiful ride. That's one of my favorite rides. Riding to some, just getting out of the Portland metro area, which I'm in Happy Valley, which is where I'm east of Portland, so I don't have to deal with a lot of that. But Happy Valley's gotten pretty big. Mm -hmm. So it's like the other day, I, I just meant to be out for 45 minutes, an hour, and go around the river, get some cool B-roll, get some footage, get something bike-related up. And I was out for over three hours, I think. Nice. Well, would have been had had I not gotten heated. Well, yeah, had you not. So, yeah, we didn't. You want to touch on that? You want to tell this, the folks this, that story? Oh, gosh, yeah, I don't mind at all. You know, looking back on it, it started pretty quickly. And Texas, and you know, Spinney knows this, Texas can drop 80 degrees in two minutes. And here in Oregon, we're, we're pretty temperate. And it was in the 80s when I, I, you know, I looked at my apps, 80s, looked good, got the cameras on my bike, got out. And I started, I didn't recognize the signs at first of the heat exhaustion. I couldn't, I didn't know where I was. I was confused. I ended up in places I wasn't supposed to. I was out for three hours instead of just being out there for an hour. Then I came up, don't know how I ended up where I was. I didn't know where I was. And it's, I look back at it, it's just a few minutes from my house at this red light. I'm sitting behind these cars and I'm thinking, I can't make it any further. I've got to pull over. I've got to get in the shade. This, something's bad. Something bad's about to happen. And I do not want to drop my bike. And so I, I backed up, got in the shade. And as soon as I got my, got off my bike, this guy rode up and I have this in my video about, or my podcast episode about judgment towards the end. This guy gets off the bike. He comes up to me. He had a helmet like mine, although his was black. He's, he says, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay. I, I didn't think I could sit there. I didn't think I, I've never experienced it this extreme before. Guy pulls his helmet off. And he has gang tattoos, prison tattoos on his face. You know, I know what those are. I, I, I'm not stupid. <laughs> um, he, but I saw his eyes. And he came up to me and he sat with me and he went and got water for me. He had me drink some water. He poured some water on me. I, I was still having a real hard time. He called 911 for me. Well, before he called 911, the police came by. And ask if we were okay and everything, you know, and it's like, yeah, yeah. He's saying, yeah, I'm saying, yes. Like we've got it covered. Go on. You know, we've got people on the way. Police officer leaves and he says, Oh, that was close. I can't have contact with police. I'm on an ankle bracelet. I'm like, <laughs> Oh dude, that would have sucked. But would that really be a strike against him if he was helping someone in need and an officer came up? But it really got me to thinking how we judge people. I mean, a lot of people would see his facial tattoos. Yeah, I'm inked. Um, and I, my nose is pierced. But this guy was, I mean, he said the face, his face was the only part that didn't hurt when he was tattooed. And his face is like way tattooed. And you could tell they're prison tattoos. Yeah. 
but I could see the compassion in his eyes and he was a biker and we sat and we talked. I have part of the conversation on one of the, the cameras, the sound was still going. And, um, I, I just am so thankful for him for stopping because I, re I couldn't even tell anyone where I was. Oof. Yeah. That's how bad it was. It's amazing to me. You always see cars broken down. People won't stop, but the people biker community, stop. people always stop mm -hmm. as a rule. I mean, it's, it's not always, you know, hundred percent. You know, if they're on their cell phone or something, generally I'll go by. Yeah. If, if they're in trouble and they're sitting on their bikes, like you stop, turn around you go back. You know, I had. Hey, Tiffany. More motorcycles go by. I had trucks i had people in cars I had all these people stopping or not stopping but slowing down and saying are you okay do you need help but by this time the guy was with me and you know he had it covered thankfully so that, that is uh yeah you know and it, it, it's like anything right it doesn't um what does it really cost you to be nice nothing not a thing and you know what it comes back. It comes back. Yeah, I think uh, I think <laughs> a lot of people need to realize that uh, there's a lot to be said for karma. <laughs> Drew. Okay. Let me see. Where's my? Oh, there's my camera. Wow, that was a good catch, Drew. I didn't. I saw the bedazzled. I didn't see this. Yeah, that's that yeah. is a lot of coffee cup. It's a vente. Yes. Nice. Yeah. So I guess you're not a Dunkin' Donuts fan? Well, there's a Starbucks. We don't have Dunkin' Donuts here. What? Mm -mm. What kind of communist state do you live in? Uh, Portland. Okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> oh, at least you don't live in Seattle like Denver. So, you know. You know, that says it all. It's tough. My best friend lives in Denver. No, no, no. I'm saying Denver oh, Denver Denver Woods lives in Seattle. He doesn't really, but it's more fun when you tell him that. Oh yeah. Oh he's yeah. pissed. But you know, it's all right. <laughs> Gonna have to be mad at something. You know, Portland is just it's sad. It's very, very sad to have come here twenty five years ago. I built my house twenty five years ago. In Portland was so quaint. Coming from Dallas, going from Dallas to Seattle was huge culture shock. Mm-hmm. Coming to Oregon from Seattle was another huge culture shock. Portland is so small, or it was, the city itself. And it was beautiful and so much fun. And there was it was just amazing. And the last few years, it is apocalyptic. And it's it's really sad. Yeah. It's really sad. That's uh that's how Philadelphia's become. It's yeah. uh well, it's, it's become terrible. The police have quit. You know, um, and it's, it's a scary, I mean, I'm, I'm armed all the time. So, uh, I mean, I'm a Texan. I, that would be kind of an insult if I wasn't, but I'm, I mean, you remember the Alamo, so you're going to be I armed. remember the Alamo. Do you remember the story about Ozzy Osbourne being banned from the Alamo because. Didn't he piss on the Alamo or something? It was something well, crazy. Have you ever watched that show? Um, Ozzy and Jack's adventure or whatever it is. Yes. 
they ended up in San Antonio and they, Ozzy was sweating. He was so freaked out. And he didn't want to go up to the Alamo. He was just so scared of what they were going to do to him, which is really funny. The Prince of Darkness being afraid of, you know, the Alamo. Um, but they looked up the original citation and he didn't. It was for public intoxication. That's funny. So urban myths, you know, and he was relieved. My cousin died at the Alamo. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he died at the Alamo. And the Alamo, I tell you, is a lot smaller than you think. <laughs> I guess what's left of it. First time I saw it, I was very unimpressed. <laughs> yeah, when uh, when I first met Katie, because she's spent most of her youth in uh, San Antonio. Ooh. That's uh, she always would do when she met my parents. She's like, but people don't realize the Alamo is like itty bitty and it's next to a mall. <laughs> tiny. It's tiny. What's left of it? I mean, thankfully we have what's left of it there. They've really done a job on San Antonio. It's gorgeous. The river walk is just absolutely gorgeous. I miss Texas food. Yeah. Like drop a Whataburger with cheese in FedEx or something or Shipley's donuts. You guys that bluebell ice cream. That's I mean, yeah, bluebell. Oh my gosh. Yes, Bluebell. The best ice cream in the world. That's all I ever hear about. You go uh, back to Texas. I was there for work and I couldn't get any. Oh, no. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm not an ice cream person. My dad used to buy Bluebell for his dog. <laughs> he loved that dog more than he did us. Damn him. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's the ugliest dog I've ever seen. And he stinks and he's stupid and you're buying him bluebell. <laughs> buying him ice cream, man. Yeah. You know what? Talk about trauma. Jeez. Yeah, right. <laughs> so Terry's uh links, that's a good question. I will put them in the comment section. No, in the comment. Let me see if I can put them in the comment section real quick. I don't know. Sometimes this works, sometimes it doesn't. Hold on. You have a Shipley's just a mile from your house? Oh my gosh. That they're just the best donuts ever. They're like real donuts. My favorite oh. are the chocolate filled glazed. Let's see if that works for you guys. And if it doesn't, I'm gonna put it in the show notes in the description. Actually, I'm gonna do it right now before I forget. Bluebell in North Carolina. I just, I, Krispy Kreme I can take, but I think growing up on Shipley's, I don't know if it's nostalgia or if it's just a superior product. Krispy Kreme is tough. It, it, they're really way too sweet for me. Yes. And Shipley's, you know, started out family owned and operated. And the last time I was back there for my mother-in-law's 90th birthday, they just, they tasted the same as they did when I was a first grader. Like, really? Oh, so they haven't oh, changed the recipe or anything? It didn't appear to be, unless it was just my my nostalgic mind taking over, you know? Interesting. Yeah. So which, I'm putting up your channels now before I forget. So which which is your the channel that you primarily post to? The Terry Anderson? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Terry Anderson is everything I post there in different playlists. And then my digging through dominoes is strictly the podcast and mental health. And then you can find the podcast audio on any podcast platform and it's digging through dominoes. Okay. I just put all that in the, uh, in the comment section. So a lot of uh, Instagrams. You do. I do. You, you I, have, you've got like 90 of them. I have like multiple personalities. <laughs> you know, Hey, you know, we all got something, right. You know, think about it. I ride motorcycles. I have that part of me, that adrenaline funsy. I surf. I do all of this really cool, fun stuff that you wouldn't think by just looking at me, I would do. Then I have the ink, that side. I have the glamour makeup kind of stuff going on. So, yeah, I think it is kind of maybe, you know, fractured identity disorder or something. One of my Instagrams is mainly for my photography. One of them is for uh, the tattoo biker chick. And the other one is for the podcast. Nice. So what got you? When did you get into photography? High school. Nice. What did you start with? Do you remember like, your first camera? It was a can. It was a Nikon or, or Pentax, I think. Um, man, I, I got in touch with the daughter of my photography teacher a few months back and told her to let him know that he changed my life forever with a camera. And that, you know, when I started, my gosh, in 60, you open that canister and you get that smell. And then it's like amazing going to the dark room, playing with the dark room and the chemicals and everything. It's just an experience so many people will never know. And it's so amazing. There, there was something really interesting. I thought with that, with the black and white experience, and even color. If you, and the newspaper had a color lab at some point, but there, there's something really interesting about the whole tactile experience of dodging and burning, and and doing that whole like, you know, I, I like digital photography. I think digital photography is awesome. What you can do, but there's something. There's not that connection. You know, when you have that paper in the solution and you see your photo come to life, that's a mind blow. And then yeah. when you see the dodging and burning, I I was looking all of this up. My, my teacher hadn't gotten to that yet. And I figured out how to do it. I, I had this cardboard like template and I had these pictures I wanted to, you know, try to put in a collage. And I went and I made, you know, cut out these little jagged circles. And I did the whole thing with like six or seven pictures photographs of portraits and I show my, my instructor and he said, you did this? <laughs> like, what do you mean? Yeah, of course I did this. <laughs> so he was, he really had a huge impact on my life. Another thing I, I will never forget in that class is, is the guys that used to uh, chew tobacco in the, in the dark room and he, he caught them. And he came in and he's like, swallow it. Or you go to, you know, you go to the principal, which they would have been suspended from school. I don't think they ever chewed tobacco or smoked again. I can't believe he did that, but I mean, that's Texas for you. I was going to say that you can't get more Texas than that. 
No. And he's like this little nerd kind of a guy. I mean, you wouldn't expect something that, I don't know, from him. And it was like, here, dudes, this is your choice. That's awesome. So, so as, as we're getting a little, we're over an hour now, but the, um, what would you be your advice? Cause we touched on a little bit. What would you be your advice to other creators? What would you, if someone's looking at starting a YouTube channel or a podcast or anything that they have this passion for from, from a media standpoint, what, what would your suggestion be to them? I think with YouTube, what I, what I've learned with YouTube is, you know, everyone says niche down, niche down, niche down. Yes. I mean, you can niche down or you can have different playlists. And I would say watch who you like, but don't try to become them. Mm -hmm. Pick up tips from different people, their styles. You know, I've learned a lot from Peter McKinnon. Have I implemented it? No, but his backpack sure rocks from all my camera gear. Um. And that's the biggest thing is I think when you, you look at a lot of channels and you, you judge yourself against that channel and you shouldn't do that. You should judge yourself against yourself. You should be co in competition with yourself mm -hmm. and not another channel, not another podcast. Podcasts really kind of threw me before a loop because, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And you know, people can see me on YouTube, on the podcast, the audio version. I mean, they're just going on my voice. And I really had a problem with getting over the fact, is my voice, am I going to be able to engage them? I know I can tell stories. I don't know. If you guys, I tell you, if you want to hear a good story, go watch my Haunted House series on my Terry Anderson tattoo biker chick thing. I can tell a story. So I, I figured, you know, put my talents to use, the things that I know I can do, and just compete with myself. Try to be better than I was the day before. And it's the same with my photography. Um, that, that, I think, is the best advice you can even give your children, right? Yeah. Don't, um, do, you, do you follow uh, Gary V at all? He's an entrepreneur. No. Okay. So he, I, I don't know. I'm on this really big entrepreneur kick lately, but one of his comments that he made was he doesn't know who his competition is because if he spends time in his competition, he doesn't, he's taking away from doing what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And it was basically like, you know, these people that are like, Oh, does, does, does anybody, um, do you know what this person's doing or that person's doing rather than just doing you and letting it, become what it's going to become, right? Because you, you can, you can, I mean, dear God, in social media, you could easily do it. You could spend so much time looking at other people's analytics or, or being depressed because your channel isn't doing this or you're not doing that. But then when you look at the big picture, it really doesn't matter because your success, like you said, it, it doesn't, we all started from a different place. So our journeys are uniquely different to that. You are going to fail 100% of the time if you try to be someone other than yourself. I think we can learn bits and pieces from everyone that we meet in general. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a part of us. And we sort of digest that and turn it out in our own way. But if you try to copy someone else, you're doomed. 
you can't do that. You don't have that. And it comes off as false and it comes off as forced. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really one of the biggest things, you know, be yourself. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. I mean, it, it I think it's hard. very it's hard because you're right. You're right. A lot of people look at analytics and, oh my gosh, these people are like, you know, 15,000 subscribers and they've only had their vlog up for, you know, a month. Well, you have to stop and look and see who they're associated with and that they work in the film industry and this and that. And I would have a lot more if I was more active on it, but truthfully not being able to ride these last few years, I feel very, fraudulent i guess this is the best word in putting up something that's not biker related mm -hmm. and to think of not riding my bike there have been some really emotional times trying to get past that so i don't know <clears throat> analytics you just have to beat your own and and be satisfied i mean if you're if you're going for it for a career i mean you have to put a lot more drive into it you know, than I do. I do it because I like it. Mm -hmm. Now the podcast, I'm going to have to be very strict on because I do need to make some moolah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that the podcast market still has a lot of, a, a lot of, I think there's more growth than there is YouTube because you can just get lost in the noise of YouTube. Like I, I feel like when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm not worried about, the next little pop-up or the ad or what could potentially take right. me off that platform. Right. Um, <laughs> and you know, Dallas, I, I kind of want to circle back because I don't, I don't want to, where I was going with that is you can learn from your competition and you can be motivated by your competition, but mm -hmm. don't let your competition dictate what you're going to do. That, that's where I'm going with that is that, Right. You see this and it's my number one pet peeve. And we've talked about it. How many times have you seen a video of somebody complaining about their views or somebody complaining about someone else's success? My thing is, if you put your head down and you do the work, th there's no substitute for doing the work. And if you do the work, you're going to be rewarded. But you're going to be rewarded in, in what works for you. I think there's too many times where so many channels are copying people because they're seeing somebody else have that success. And then when they do it, they fail even worse because it's not, it's not authentic to their brand. It's not, it's not. And that's, that's the real challenge I think in, in a, being a new creator or for new creators is where do I land? Who do, who am I? Who am I? You know, I can't be Peter McKinnon. I can't be Smitty. <laughs> I can be me. And Could you I, imagine being a hybrid of Smitty and Peter McKinnon? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> you know, I, no, you were saying. I forgot. I'm sorry. I did not mean to. <laughs> that happened. No, that happened. That was just too priceless. <laughs> um, well, then I guess the next. The next thing is, and you've uh, you you've you've very been open with it, and I applaud you because, like I said, it's it's not a sexy topic. It's not a topic that's going to necessarily make you money. But what what would you say in the in sort of the same genre of 
people that are struggling with their mental health that are afraid to take either that first step, whether it's a seeking professional help, whether it's seeking help from themselves, what, what would you, what would you recommend the first step be? You know, I saw this the other day and it makes sense, although it's not something I would personally do. Well, I, I guess I did. I went through an adult children of alcoholics class, but it was very small. It was just like five, five women. And I came out of that with a lot of knowledge. Sometimes you just have to see it's you're not going to get help there. But you can see the stages of dysfunction and you can know that you're not an, alone. So if you go to like an Al-Anon meeting or an ACOA meeting or something like that, it can give you the knowledge. I mean, so many times we feel like we're ourselves. That's something that mental health does if you're having a problem is it isolates you. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm an isolator. I mean, I'll, I've got texts on here that I from people that I have scheduled do interview on my podcast and I haven't gotten back to them yet because I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to kind of pull back and take it one step at a time, one step at a time and realize it's not you and own the things that are you. You know, that's one thing I had to go back and own a lot of things and see I was really surprised at how much I failed my children when I thought I was doing the exact opposite. And it's like, my gosh, I did the opposite of my, my parents and I smothered my kids basically and traumatized them in ways that were different. No one's perfect. And don't be ashamed. This woman I'm working with, this one particular woman, she keeps coming to mind. She, she's my age. And she just said she's so, she's so ashamed. And what we need to realize is shame is something that's put on us mm -hmm. by perpetrators. Whether they know they're a perpetrator or, or whether it's by negligence or whatever, it's, it's not something that we're born with. It is, no. it's a worthless feeling and you've got to get through that and push through that and realize Hey, now this was weird for me. My therapist was talking about the inner child. And I thought, I'm not talking to a five-year-old that doesn't exist. He says, Terry, that five-year-old does exist. And I realized that in a lot of emotional flashbacks that I had overreacted to a situation. I realized that's that five-year-old or that age I was when the trauma happened. Mm -hmm. So I started... You guys are going to think I'm a lunatic, probably, but I started talking to little Terry when I got go through those things. It's like, I've got your back, girl. I'm not going to, you're, you're okay with me. You're safe. And that really turned my whole perspective around and it allowed more growth. I'd also say, don't push yourself. Some things are not ready to be opened. When they're ready to be opened, they'll come up. Yeah. Well, we go for another five hours on this one, but yeah, I, I definitely think it's hard because we, maybe not in the literal sense, but we all, we all pay the sins of our fathers, right? So we all, we all have been put to, to something. 
You know, it's funny that you say that because I'm a Christian. I, I don't push it in anyone's face. I hate people that do that. I just intensely dislike people that do that. I don't go to church, but I do have faith. Mm -hmm. And going through this and realizing what had happened to my parents, they both grew up with single moms. They had to work all the time. My mother raised her sisters. My dad was alone. My His mother gave away his other siblings and kept him for her own pawn to get things. And one of the things that came to mind was the verse of the sins of the fathers visit the whatever, however many generations and how true that is in, in ways that we don't even know. Mm -hmm. And how I really wish I had, it's like, why did I have to be 60 years old? Or when did this start coming at 58, 57, 58, when it started, like my eyes started being open to what was going on. Why couldn't I have learned this 30 years ago? Life would have really been a lot better. But you know what? I wasn't ready. The, the, the trauma in my past was so severe. I wasn't ready. I couldn't have handled it at that point. And I think well, that's reason with the kids. I really, I homeschooled my kids, helped run the business, did my blog, all of this stuff. And it was to deflect from what was going on with me. I didn't want to, I couldn't deal with it. It's, yeah. You know, and it's hard too. And you touched on something that, that I thought was really interesting. You know, you, you mentioned about, you know, you smother your kids because you didn't have that attention. Oh boy, the Russians are back. Please hold. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta toss the, uh, the bots. Can somebody toss the bot, please? Get the bots out. I mean, unless you guys are interested in doing some adult dating. I mean, I'm not here to judge you. Um, <laughs> Lots craziness. Um, and it's hard, right? Because, it, and we see that with our generation, right? We were, we were the first latchkey kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, we, our generate, our parents' generation had stay at home parents. Mm -hmm. So there was this kind of disconnect, right? Because you wanted to be that for your kids. So then you, you sort of overcompensate. And then it becomes difficult, right? Because at the end of the day, if you don't, if you don't suffer, if you don't suffer loss, mm -hmm. if you don't suffer challenges, if you don't suffer difficulty, that's part of the growing experience, right? Like it's, you, it you want to see your kids do things safely, but in them failing, there's an important lesson, right? Because anything that you succeed at is great, but mm -hmm. the things that you fail out, fail fail at seem to have a stronger, more in-depth meaning to your character. Because if you failed at that and you've recovered, you know, we, we all have that story, right? Of that time where we were, we were broke or we, or we were unemployed and, and we overcame that. And that, those times were a lot more, um, critical to our makeup than necessarily our success right yeah because you have to actually you know it's like in my estimation i we didn't give our kids cars they had to buy their cars they had to save up mm -hmm. they had to buy their cars and it's sort of the same thing if you don't invest something into it like sacrifice or i don't think they're really failures well there are failures but they're they're 
you've got to turn that around and say, hey, that's just a way that didn't work <coughs> and learn from it. A lot of people don't learn from it. I didn't learn from it. You know, when I first broke, I I was, I th this, you know, this is why I say you cannot open boxes before you're ready. And when you're ready to heal, things sort of fall into place. I left. I bought a freaking plane ticket and I went to Thailand. Really? Yes. Where I was promptly abducted. Okay. <laughs> um, and I had to get a friend of mine to get me out of the country. And it was a time when Bangkok was imploding. The only thing I remember from the first few days was a lot of people and people giving me water, drink water, drink water. Really? That's all I remember. And it was frightening. And my friend was able to get a tail on me. The, Rus uh, the Russian embassy, the American embassy couldn't get more people out. Americans were, I mean, they had, it was going to take like three weeks to get me out of Thailand. So the locals this woman that was tailing me actually got with some of the locals and I didn't realize all of this until I was out of Thailand and they were watching me. And that was a crash and burn moment for me. That would have never happened had I not been so desperate to get away from the claws that were like digging in my back and I didn't know what they were. Yeah. So yeah, I try to be uh, a little more wise these days, but it, well, yeah, and it's a, it's an interesting thought too that sometimes running from the issue just makes more issues, right? Because at least in in my own challenges, that the the times that you you find the escapism, it generally just multiplies the issue at some level. I'm not saying all the time, and self care is so important, but it is you know. But mine was at that point was total disassociation. Okay. Because right now I wouldn't just fly across the world for a job opportunity. I, you know, I thought I had this person completely checked out, but it turns out we only checked with the United States. We didn't check worldwide. Mm -hmm. And he's Canadian, but is the minute he puts foot back on Canadian soil, he'll be arrested. So he spans the globe and he's very much a grifter. And that's one thing that has happened to me. I've had to look back at my relationships. They've all been bad. I've made choices based on my trauma that have led to bad. I haven't, I haven't recognized my worth enough to get into good relationships. You know, friend-wise or anything. And right now I'm at the point, I don't trust anyone. It's like when I go to Greece next, next year, hopefully I'm going by myself. And my, my uh, travel agent was saying, you know, we can set up tours. We can do this. I said, no, I don't want to be with people. I want to do this on my own. I don't trust people anymore. Very rarely. will I trust someone. It's a um, tough spot to be. It is, but you know, it gives me an opportunity to get to know myself mm -hmm. and look and realize I can do this. I can do this. I never had that feeling before that I could do something. It's, um, 
it's tough, you know, and, and, and I think that it's, we don't, we're very easy as a society to beat up on each other, but we're not really great at handing out compliments. No. Right. Like how, how many, how many times is a, I, I don't know. I was going somewhere with it and I'm going to go down a huge rabbit hole, but we're not. If people as a rule, as you say, not everyone, right? Cause there's greatness in the world, but, but, but people can be self-centered and abusive and, and, mm-hmm. and manipulative, but that it's, and it's hard because like you said, when you've been through that trauma, you're looking to get away from that trauma, which somehow, inevitably puts you back in that trauma. Exactly. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's comfortable with. And <laughs> I look back and I'm thinking, how did you survive? How did you even make it to 30, much less 60? But you're right. I mean, for me, I have to take the step back because I have to learn to evaluate the people I meet and not be immediately right there. I'm going to help you because I was the kind of person I'm there. I'm going to help you. I'll be there. I'll do it. I was very much involved with that and it got me in a lot of trouble. And the people that took advantage of that took advantage of that in very big ways. They saw that need I had to be, to be a people pleaser and they took advantage of it. So I'm not saying I don't want to please people. I'm not saying that I don't want to do good in the world. I'm saying I've got to look at myself first and make sure I'm okay and kind of scope out the situation. Had I been able to scope the situation out in, in several circumstances, those things would have never happened. But then again, those things that happened led me to much more self-awareness. Yes. And, and I, and I truly believe that, you know, and something I've tried to teach my son is that there are certainly bad people in the world. Oh, sometimes there are bad people for you that Mm -hmm. may not be bad people for other individuals. Exactly. And that's a really hard concept because your personality, what you need from a person, your DNA, what your your mental makeup is is unique to you. And sometimes people bring that bring out the the worst in you. They do. But they those do. same people can be very successful in a different like, you know, oh. I've been married before. My marriage now is nothing like my marriage before. Right. I mean, there's still parts of it, but but yeah. you you grow, you change, you you're, I mean, it's cliche, but you are the company you keep. Exactly. You are, you are. And that's one thing I look back and I feel foolish for, and I also feel bad for the person I was that didn't think I was worth enough to have better. Mm-hmm. So, and the the people in my life that I know were better, I keep at arm's length because, and I realized this just recently, because when are they going to find out that I'm not who I appear to be? When are they going to th- find out that I'm that worthless little kid 
that my mother said she was going to put me in the, I was three years old in the backyard in Midland, Texas. And she would tell me, she would lock me out there. And I would, when I would try to come in the house, she would say, no, I'm going to put you in the trash can in the alley. And I would say, mom, I'll just tell them to bring me back in. And she, with contempt would say, they don't speak English. So if you're not good enough for your mother to keep, you're not really good enough for anyone. Sure. So all that just kind of coming together. I mean, pieces of puzzle are flying here and there. And it's amazing. It's terrifying, but it's amazing. It's and it's weird to your point. It, you you come to the realization as you grow and you go through this journey, because it is a journey of In some ways, you feel bad because you see your past you or you see your past experience and you can beat yourself up. Because let's face it, if you suffer from even the slightest bit of self-doubt or depression, you can go down that rabbit hole oh, hard. Yeah, you can. You know, and it only takes a good 10 minutes of overthinking and you're just like, well, I fucked everything up. Oh, but yeah. at the same point, we're not at that point where we're looking at our inner child and we're not looking back and saying, okay, but... I started here and I'm here. Exactly. Because right? your career wasn't built over a day. Exactly. Exactly. And I want to address a comment here. Please. A cor K H O U R I. Corey. A Corey. Yes, it is very real. Very real. Yeah, he's he's making a joke at the beard's expense. But yes, it is very real. It it's Oh my gosh. You know, I, I remember Patty Hearst was a big deal when I was a kid and you know, you look at it and you well, think, well, there's a name you don't hear often. Yeah, no. I mean, but that's where Stockholm syndrome, the whole thing, you know, I first heard of it and I was just a kid when all this happened and what happened to her and how she had to survive was to identify with the people she was with. And yeah. I think we have to do that a lot of times until we get, and it's total brainwashing. And you've got to, you know, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, how do you, you have to be completely deprogrammed and willing to be deprogrammed. It's scary. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's unfortunately, uh, yes. I mean, parents do have that and it's, it's a fine line, right? Because you don't want your, your kids run in the halls, so to speak, but at the same time, right. you know, there, there's a balance. Well, you know, yeah. One of the things I think I was really tough with my kids on was smoking. Cause I had watched three of my grandparents die of smoking related cancer. I know it's in my genetics. I know that we're predisposed to it. And my kids would, I mean, I was bad on this and I shouldn't have gone as far as I did, but I would hug them when they came home. And if they smelled like smoke, I would get the, oh, I was with people that were smoking. I didn't smoke. So then they would come in and I'd say, give them a hug. I'd say, let me have your hand. And I'd smell their fingers, smell like smoke. You know, I just, and then they would come in and it would be, their hands were sparkling clean. So I was just really always dogging them about smoking, but it wasn't, it was for their good, but it was from my fear. So I really kind of projected my fear onto my kids and made them rebel. 
And that that's that when you realize how spectacularly you failed as a parent when all you want is the best for your kids, that's a hard one to take. And I'm realizing more and more of those things. And I think owning them is the responsible thing to do and say, hey, you know, I screwed that up. But I was seeing it through different eyes. Yeah. You know, my uh, my youngest and I had that conversation recently about the divorce was that you're forced to make a decision that's going to be difficult for everybody. Right. And it's a, it's a very hard decision because you're starting to worry about, um, you're starting to worry about everyone else but yourself. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, when you're in that state, that's what you need to do. And it was funny because my son and I recently had that discussion and he's like, you know, but don't beat yourself up. You did what you did. And I was like, Jesus, you're 18 years old and you're telling me this? Like, okay, like maybe it's not as bad as we thought. Yeah, yeah. You know, here I'm doing the same thing that I have to look at my parents at and say, or look at my parents with and say, they did the best they could with what they had. What they did, they thought they were doing the best. My dad had a job, (laughs) corporate pilot, where he continually abandoned me and left me with this woman that did not want me. And I love my parents. I love both of my parents. They're not here anymore. But I have to, you know, it, it's, they did what they knew. Nothing was purpose, you know, on purpose. They didn't, you know, they didn't mean to do these things to me. But that's a huge statement. That's a really huge statement of self-discovery. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was why I was so afraid to go into my childhood for so long because I knew somewhere um, that, you know, it wasn't good. And it wasn't good. It wasn't good. But like I said, they did. They did what they knew. They have they only had so many tools. How can I expect them to build an entire house if they only have a hammer? Yeah. How do you pull the con- pour the concrete? How are they gonna, you know, put up the drywall, uh, mud the house, paint the house? They only have a hammer. <laughs> so my parents unfortunately only had a hammer. And I think really, if I look back at it, I read something that said, realize you're you were traumatized, but also re- realize the good that came from that, not just the negative. And I think what came the good with with that for me was tenacity. I'm freaking tenacious. And just one example, it was in 1994. We got screwed out of a lot of money by a car dealer up in Washington. We picketed that sucker for nine months. (laughs) Every day we were there. It's like, you're not going to, you can't do this for people. And we got everyone who had filed an complaint with the attorney general, excuse me. We got all of their money back. We became friends with him. He ended up financing our house because our mortgage wasn't quite in place. I mean, how weird is that? You dude lost $12 million back in the nineties because 
a handful of people got together and picketed him and exposed what was going on. And he's like, yeah, he caught me. Um, and he, when he realized we weren't in it for the money, we just wanted justice for other people. Everything changed. So I think it's the way you approach a lot of things. Yeah. And it's interesting too what you said about the toolbox because that's that's the thing that we all need, right? You need yeah. you need coping skills. You need so so not to put you on a spot, but we're gonna we're gonna wrap up at ten. So here's my question, and you can sidestep this question if it's too personal. But you you talk to your your inner child. What would your inner child say today? Because I guarantee your inner child's amazingly proud of you. I didn't think you would still be here. I can't believe you came back and found me. And Corey, you're right. You're right. <clears throat> um, I think I would just say, like I said, you found me. Thank you. I was lost for so long. And I think that's really the key. <clears throat> excuse me, for a lot of people with childhood trauma and they don't realize it, that you're, it changes your brain. It chemically changes your brain and your amygdala and your hippocampus and everything is changed. And you are stunted at certain points at the age that certain traumas happened. And that child is still in deep pain. So, yeah, um, I would say thanks for coming back to find me and validating what I went through. And I know that sounds really weird voodoo-ish to a lot of people. No, I'm just trying to process what you said. Yeah. So here you are kicking ass and taking names and helping others. I'm trying, right? you know. That's what I'm trying to do. I I want to help other people. I want to, I almost feel like life has started over. And I think that's, I want to start doing so many more things. I feel like I'm very confined right now. And that's my own fault. I have built the shelf. I need to break out of it. And I need to do the things I want to do. So, and I need to push myself because I'll, I'll get afraid. I'll be afraid. It's like, okay, you're going to go overseas again. Uh, is there going to be someone kidnap you this time? Don't try take water from anyone. Don't, you know. We'll but, send Smitty with you to be fine. Hey, yes, yeah, Smitty, come on, get a ticket. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, Greece is supposed to be one of the, the safest countries to travel to especially for female solo travelers. That's so I'm looking awesome. forward to it. If it happens, if it happens. All right. We'll so see. where do we, um, where do you go from here? I where mean, you, I? You, you, you've come to this beautiful place in your life where you're starting to realize where you're at, right? Mm -hmm. You have plenty of your life ahead of you. Where do you go from here? What, what would, what, what would you in the final days of your life, you've, you've done all this, you've, you've overcome so much. 
how would you how would you like to to leave things like how I'm trying to go somewhere with this and I can't put words together because I'm still thinking about what you said. Yeah, I, I think I know what you're saying. And I'm doing that right now. One of the things with my YouTube channels and my podcast is for my grandkids. So they can learn who their grandmother really is and not who, what they've been told. So they can see how much I love them. That's awesome. And that's a luxury that we didn't have. Mm -hmm. We have black and white photographs. And we have to imagine everything and rely on the words of people that may not be 100% honest. And my grandkids will be able to look at these and say, hey, that's not quite the way I was told. Wow, my grandmother was fully tattooed and <laughs> rode a motorcycle and traveled the world. I think... Um, Damn, that's interesting. I never thought about that, right? Because you have a whatever you put out, assuming that YouTube lives forever, which it may or may not, mm -hmm. you have an unadulterated, unfiltered image of someone, mm -hmm. right? Like this, this moment can live forever, mm -hmm. and yeah. you don't you don't hear it as a story from somebody else. You know, so, you don't, you don't hear that story. Like we all do is Thanksgiving. Your grandma, Terry, you know, yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't hear it from someone with an agenda. You, you can look at it and make your own judgment. Mm -hmm. And there, there are a lot of agendas out there. You know what? Let them be, be, they don't, it doesn't bother me anymore. Um, I am who I am. I've made the mistakes I've made. I can't change them. Mm -mm. So I'm going to just live my life and be as happy as I can. Well, and that's the one thing they, yeah. And that's the one thing they do is they say is like depression is because you look back. Anxiety is because you look forward, but you're not mm -hmm. necessarily living in that, in the here and the now. Exactly. You're missing out on so much because you're not present. Yeah. Oh, being present is everything. It's everything. It's everything. And there are times that I'm not, and I have to, go through and just ground myself. It's like, what do I smell? What do I see? What do I feel? What do I hear? And just kind of try and bring myself back to that and realize, I, I think that I did my best. Even though, even when the times I failed, I thought I was doing my best. I yeah. never did anything maliciously. And recognizing my mistakes. Yeah. And riding a kick-ass Harley. Hell yeah. Yeah, huh? There's nothing that can't be uh, solved by twisting the throttle really hard. There's really not. I'm still, I've got so much footage from the other day that I'm I'm still editing. I hope to have that up this weekend. Good. Yeah. So. When therapy's real. Therapy's real and change is real. Do you, uh, how are you for time? Do you want to hang out for a little bit? Oh, whatever you I was want. Gonna, I was going to open it up to the side chat and let them post some questions. We, oh, yeah. That's great. I mean, I am going to say this. Can we just take a quick break for a second and we'll let everybody, we'll let the side chat entertain ourselves. You, you're a professional. Can you hold this or do you want me to, to pause it? No, I'm fine. Okay. Guys, be nice. Be nice to our guests. I'll be right back.
And you guys in the side chat have been great. I wish I had been able to see more of this. Well, except, you know, the Russian bots, but. Junior, where are you now? If you're still on the, if you're still on the live feed, where are you now? As a parent of adult children who we, who still love me as parents, we can only do the best we can. You know, that's right. And if they don't recognize that, that's on them. That's one thing I had to learn. That's on them. If they can't recognize, we, we only did the best thing that we could do. And they're still holding grudges. That's on them. I can't change that. I can just try to be better and, you know, accept what I did. Junior is back home. Okay. Yeah, he's uh, he's back home working on his bike, I believe. Oh, Stacy, thank you. Stacy's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, what you guys have any questions for me? Yes, too much water is definitely the cause. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 100 degrees here, man. I gotta 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 drink up. I am in the hot, this studio is in the hottest room of the house. Yeah. And I have a fan going on. We put a new heat pump in and it just still doesn't get this room for some reason. I don't And We're the builders. So what does that say about me 25 years ago or my husband? Yeah. yeah but 25 years ago, we didn't have all the cool insulation and stuff. No. I mean, this house is so well built. It is so overbuilt. That's and a good thing. It really is. It really is. I mean, if we were in a situation that we really could not have ever afforded to have a house like this, had we not done the sweat equity, the house is like 5,000 square feet. Damn. We've got six, six bedrooms, four bathrooms, three levels, a theater, billiard room. But if we had not done the, the equity ourselves and known what we were doing, and my husband had not been such an excellent builder, you know, he's not a builder that is like, oh, I can't see it from my house. I don't care. So this, the house is well built and um, I have no idea where I was going with that. That's okay. That's all right. That's the way life is. But it's built well. Oh, Busted Knuckle Mo Motorcycles. Thank you for liking my studio. It's pretty cool. You're only I like all the pictures in the back. The clean side. Yeah, I've got my Freddy there, my saving able drum head. They they um autograph for me, my VIP backstage Santana, Marilyn with tattoos, of course, my husband and me right behind. And over here in the corner is my um glam side with a black velvet chase lounge and crystal. You saw that all that stuff. I like the skulls, skulls are cool. Yeah, I've got skulls all over my body. Someone asked me one time, as a Christian, why do you have skulls? Isn't that like a... You're going to go to hell. It's like, it reminds what? me that... Yeah. I said, no. It reminds me people are people. That's one thing my dad taught me that was really good. He was a corporate pilot. He, he flew for a lot of people. He actually fired LBJ from his airplane for some very bad behavior, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was 
pretty amazing. But my dad introduced us to people like Harrison Ford, John Knight, <laughs> Led Zeppelin, John Connolly, uh, a lot of oil magnets, a lot of people, as well as the janitor, the mechanics, the painters, mm-hmm. the fuelers. And what he taught us, people are people. Yep. Across the board. And they get the respect they earn. I mean, you could give them respect until they give you a reason not to. Correct. Yeah. Respect's a weird thing, right? Because it, it's, you have to earn it. And it's a, it's a very fine hair on how quickly you can lose it. Yeah, it really so. is. And that's one thing I address on the last episode that I posted on the podcast was a lot of times people will take one action of a person and they will think that that defines the entire person when in <laughs> fact we're multidimensional. And how would they want that microscope being put on them? Well, yes. And, and unfortunately with a lot of, well, it's not unfortunate, it's the reality of it. That's a defense mechanism. It is a defense mechanism. It is. Very, very much so. Because those are generally the people that need it the most. <laughs> Junior, the best adult the dating site. <laughs> Junior, come on. You're supposed to be no, getting ready for Sturgis, not dating again. I think he's replying to someone, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, they're they're going on about the... Uh, oh, Bust and Nuggle got me on my house. That's how I got onto it. <clears throat> yeah, I love the studio. It's 20 by 20. It's huge. And it's my sanctuary. It's where I come and no one bothers me. It's a good place to be. Oh, heck yeah. I like it. I Yeah, I love it. I love it. My it, Usually I have the dogs up here with me. My, my uh, service dog, Karma, she's usually right at my feet. And then I have a four-pound Yorkie, which is kind of funny. You know, I have a 100-pound German Shepherd guard dog and then i have a four pound yorkie and they're just like right here with me whatever (laughs) that's awesome yeah yeah we'll let them back in we're not letting the we're not letting the bots back in junior no bots junior so junior when are we going to see you and terry you know in the wind hanging out yeah we need to get a picture together dude yeah, it's the least you could do. It's it's called Ohana. Yeah. He's all about the spirit, you know. Got to get that Ohana feeling going on. That would be great. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, if you don't have any more questions, this is, Terry, this has been awesome. I really enjoyed it. We all have right. to do this again. I feel like we're not even scratching the surface here. Aloha all day, every day. Yes, 100%. No, we're not. And, you know, I feel bad um, a little bit being a motorcycle channel and everything. And we we delved off, is that even a word, into so many other topics. And I hope people didn't get bored. And No, I don't think they did. No, I hope not. I, I will have some really cool motorcycle stories coming in my future. Cool. So who do you have booked as guests? Who do you have coming up on the podcast? 
I, Anybody that we uh, would know? Or? There is one man. Uh, he's an author of several books. He's a friend of mine. His name is Rick Johnson. He has written, um, gosh, a stack of them. One is ra Raising Your Grandchildren. Another one is Overly Toxic Parents or something to that effect. And then some of my musician friends actually nice. are going to be coming on. And one of my drummer friends and I are thinking about starting another podcast. It's more conversational chit chat, fun, lighthearted, just laughing and whatever. I like it. Yeah. So we'll awesome. see. Tomorrow night, live music. Anyone's in Portland, I'm going to be at the Blue Diamond. Nice. Yeah. See so are you going to be playing or just hanging out? I might be hanging out and taking pictures. My friend Phoenix is a saxophone player. He's probably one of the best I've ever heard. And the Blue Diamond is owned by some incredible people. She, I tell you, they have some of the most incredible blues talent come through that venue in Portland. Nice. And it's just fun. It's just fun. Very nice. No, I just follow them. I guess I'm a groupie. <laughs> Would that make me a groupie? I think groupie. And I just have fun. I love blues. I love jazz. And I do photographs for some of them. And I just do another uh, situation. I got introduced to a lot of Portland's greatest musicians. And I'm thoroughly enjoying their presence. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so all the links are in the description. Appreciate it if you would go show Terry some love and make sure you check out her podcast, please. Uh, I think it's something we all can learn. And in the spirit of that, make sure you uh, you know you check on people that are struggling and uh, yeah. truly well, keep the message of we're not alone involved. Especially if they're looking like they're you know they're having a bad day, try to you know do something that might lighten the load you don't know if their grandmother just died you don't know if if their dog was diagnosed with cancer so there's not always they're not always being a jerk to you yep um so that's one thing i try to do is is, is try to lift people up when i can very important so awesome thank guys you. thank you so I much i hope you so have much. a great what's that I said, thank you. This has been fun. Oh, anytime. We have to have you back soon for sure. I I like really well, I want you on the podcast too. Absolutely. I'd be honored. Yeah. Think about it. Be blessed. Yeah. Just let me know. I'm there. Yeah. All right. But uh, yeah, see, they're already requesting to have you back on. So absolutely. We will make I would that. Love it. I love Brian. I mean, we've been planning this forever and it's just been basically me. <laughs> I've been a lot of weird things have happened. Hey, it's all good. You know what you need to do? We need to we need to have a we need to have another hangout night where there's no topic and just kind of shoot the shit. Maybe we get Drew on here. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I think I want to be Betty White. That's what I want to do. Okay. Yeah, I'll be Betty White. If you have a choice in life, be Betty White. Tattooed Betty White. Yeah. I mean, you're <laughs> just the next evolution. I like it. <laughs> of course. Awesome. Well, Terry, hang around for the for the after show. But uh, guys, thank you so much. Um, I don't know if Baggers and Brews is live tomorrow or not, but please check them out if they are. I'm not sure what Monkey's up to. Denver will be live on Sunday. Uh, Motor Naga's live Monday. 
No, I'm sorry. Drew in Dallas for Live Monday. Monaga is live on Tuesday, and then we will back Wednesday. We don't have a scheduled guest yet, but we're going to make that happen. So, guys, thank you so much. Have a great night. Have a great weekend, guys. Stay safe. See you, everybody. Junior, I'm glad you're safe. Junior. Junior. I will find.